Hey there. You're listening to What the Riff, a podcast that takes you back through the years from 1965 to 1995, featuring a rock album of the month, a few staff picks, and a little more. We hope you'll find something you haven't heard in a while, along with a few deeper cuts that you may never have heard, or that you'll find a new artist to follow. Visit our website, whattheriff.com, where our blog will show you all the artists we've covered, as well as a list of every track. Thanks to our sponsors, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So it's time to turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese launched the Tet Offensive against South Vietnamese and U.S. forces. The spy ship USS Pueblo and an 83-man crew are seized in the Sea of Japan by North Korea, and a U.S. B-52 bomber with a nuclear bomb on board crashes in Greenland, shortly after which a giant lizard begins heading toward Tokyo. (laughs) This is January of 1968, and this is What the Riff. I'm Bruce. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. All right, that lizard might not have been the case, but what have we got today? Uh, It's coming from Wayne. There are but four small faces. This is the small faces. And it's a four-man group uh, formed out of London. It's Steve Marriott's the lead singer, Ronnie Lane, Kenny Jones, and Ian McLeggan. Uh, the band is one of the big mod groups along with The Who, and they toured together. But they also had a teeny bop image they tried to shake later on with different songs. So... But it's interesting, Wayne. This this actually sounds kind of Motown to me. Yeah, well, I it sort so of too. goes to that blues stuff. This yeah. is later in their their period. You know, oh. you got to remember early on in '65 they were more of the mod type songs. So this is where they're trying to get shake that that thought of being a teeny bopper. Yeah, I feel like it's James Brown and the Who. <laughs> it, it does. It's a little bit of a crossover, isn't it, Rob? <laughs> well, the group named named themselves the Small Faces because they were all under five foot nine. <laughs> and a face. If you guys remember, we did the Who not too long ago. Uh, what, what? Do you remember what a face was? A face. Okay. In the mod circles, it was a snappy dresser, someone who you know was oh, a leader. Oh, okay. People looked up to him. Remember, Sting was Ace Face. Yes, that's in right. The, in the movie. He's always the one with the nice-looking girls. Well, this song is Talk To You, and it's more of, like you said, a bluesy song. And it, you know, wasn't really a hit, but it is, you know, one of those off-the-greatest-hits albums, if you want to. Now, this next song kind of brings us a little bit further up to date to that more psychedelic song. Oh, you yeah. Kind of feel that this is called Here Come the Nice. And this was actually a tribute song to their dealer. <laughs> to their dealer. <laughs> Always nice when your drug dealer gets a shout out yes. on the song. Now, is he dealing in marijuana or is he dealing in acid? Uh, it's actually was with speed. Yeah, but uh, it was surprising they got through to the BBC censors and actually they played it. They just thought it was somebody being nice. Here comes somebody nice. But, you know, it's, it's here comes the nice looking so good. He makes me feel like no one else could. <laughs> he knows what he wants. He's got what I need. He's always there if I need something sweet. So. Yeah. 
They were, in uh, 1966, they were one of the highest grossing acts in, in the UK. Um, had tons of singles then. Um, but now, the thing now, is, is most of it was ripped off from them. No, Wayne, yeah, that's what I was about to say, Wayne. I I do not recall the, 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 the small faces. So what would be the biggest song, do you think, that they did? Uh, it'll be coming up. It, okay. It, it, Ichiku Park is probably one. Ten Soldiers one of my favorite. We'll be doing those in a few. Okay. What's probably... We've done Steve Marriott before because he went on to leave. Yeah, that's right. And become, you know, part part of Humble Pie with Peter Frampton. Right, that's right. Um, after he left, they actually recruited two more people into the group. They couldn't be called the Small Faces because those guys were actually taller than five foot nine, so they called themselves the Faces. And that was Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood. Oh, okay. And so they they hung around for about a year or two, and then they broke up. Ronnie Wood would go play with the Rolling Stones and, and with uh, Rod Stewart. Yeah, Rod Stewart would be his own guy. Um, Kenny Jones would later play with The Who after Keith Moon's death. Uh, Ronnie Lane ended up getting MS, and I remember back in the 80s they had benefit concerts for him. Um, so that's sort of where I kind of got my influence because I obviously wasn't listening to this at the time. This was not my type of Music. There's an interesting connection with rock music and benefit concerts. That's something that has that has happened. You know, uh, it, during our age, it was uh, the the whole USA for Africa, Farm Aid, and, Farm Aid and things like that. But it has a long history. Oh, yeah. Special effects. Oh yeah, that's got to have the Hammond organ in there somewhere, guys. Like I said, a little bit more psychedelic on this song. I think they crashed. The end of the bad trip. Yeah, that's exactly what it was meant to be. Wow. They wanted to show this is the area where you crash after having all that speed. Man. All right, this is more of a tale of kids ditching school. I recognize this one. And going to an area where they decide to take part of some libations, either alcohol or, or some marijuana or something and they had a place they called Ichiku Park. Was HR puffing stuff there? (laughs) (laughs) Well they as you can say they go there to get high and basically what they called the parks is you got to remember this is London back in the you know early 60s or late 50s when they were younger there were still areas that were bombed out so those bombed out areas they're not going to come hunting you know truant kids so they would go there, and that's where they go and just kind of hang out. Now, they would say that they did go hang out there to get high, but you know they just said they just wanted to enjoy the day. But yeah, right. But what would Austin Powers refer to that uh, time in the '60s of London? What he used to call it? Swinging London. <laughs> <laughs> they sound a little bit like the Guess Who. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. They still have that phase shifting as one of the things that they did. If you heard that going through, it's one of the first songs that used that to distort the drums and the vocals. So, but uh, they only did this song for laughs. They really didn't want to put it out. They were just kind of goofing off and you know just having a good time. And um, when they left and went on to record some other stuff, the guys put it together and actually released it. Ended up going to number 16 in the United States. So this should be a lesson to you folks. If you have a musical group, don't record anything just for a lark. Yeah. Because don't worry, no one will hear this but us. It's probably not true. (laughs) That seems to go for anything videotaped. (laughs) 
guitar yeah, who the, put on the your band phone. That play, the producer played played it backwards, and they made a song out of the. That's you know, right. That's right. Yeah. We, 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 spoke, uh, we did that band? earlier on another '60s song. They. Now on its release, now the BBC immediately banned this one. They said, "No, this is not good on the R." Because what do you do there? I go get high, and they said, "No, no, no. This is this is about skipping school and having a nice day out in the fun." They're like, "Okay, look, we already let you by with here comes the nights. We're not going to let you by with that." <laughs> I'd like to go there now with you. You can miss out on school. <laughs> they weren't big on going to school there. They were we in the hard no scrabble education. area of London. Yeah. But that was uh, Ichiku Park by The Small Faces. Now we're going to move on to one of my favorite songs. And Steve Marriott actually wrote this song and he took it with him um, and re recorded it with Humble Pie. But to me, this has a little bit more rock and roll feel and it kind of reverts to that bluesy Ooh, type. Ooh, hear style. that organ in the background. Yes. Yeah. I have a comment about this when it's appropriate. What does that sound in the background sound like to you? Another song. It sounds like, do you feel like I do to me? And it also, it's the same notes as uh, Love Lies Bleeding. Oh, you're uh, right. You're right. And I wonder if Elton John was well, inspired by and, this. And Heartbreaker by the Rolling Stones. It's yes. got the same bass line. Yeah. All right. Everybody copied everybody back then. So, you know. <laughs> well, Borrowed. you said earlier that a lot of people took from the small faces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they're influenced. Well, I mean, I think there's a difference, too, between, you know, having a similar bass line and, you know, lifting something, you know, whole scale and, and turning it from under pressure into a, uh, <laughs> you know, a rap song. Yeah. Uh, that was stolen. <laughs> but Marriott, who was married at the time, met a model named Jen, uh, Jenny Rollins. And they met in 66, and the singer was just smitten. He just he was, he was just wanted to get with her. And, but she was dating Rod Stewart, <laughs> coming back to that. So they kind of became friends. And what do you do if you really like a girl and you're a songwriter? You write the song. You write a song. And, you know, you put in there, all I need is a whispered hello, smiles melting the snow, nothing heard, your eyes, they're deeper than time, say a love that won't rhyme without words. And, I mean, obviously, they're going to end up together. There you go. And they did. They ended up getting married. So, uh, he wrote this, and he just, you know, he pressured her. He just basically, until, until she split up with Rod Stewart, he finally, they ended up getting together. There were a number of songs like that. I guess the most famous would be Layla, yeah. that, uh, uh, that 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 was during the time. Yeah. But I like the way this kind of rolls. It just it just it just you know it just sort of kind of takes yeah. its time, takes its time, and it starts kicking back up, and it just you know it's just the intensity. You can just it's just it's it's three chords, four chords, just three chords coming back and forth. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Definitely can hear the Hammond in the background. Yes, you can. So basically, it's it's really a song about wanting to get to know somebody just for their mind. You're not there for their body or anything else. You just wanted you get a buzz off that person. And if you get into that, those type of relationships, it's just very heartwarming and, and just lifts you up. It just makes you feel crazy. Ah, uh, infatuation, as Rod Stewart would say. <laughs> now, this is good. I like it. And this is my favorite of the four here. Yeah, I, I like this one. 
It was a tumultuous time, though. 68, that was, that was, uh, a well, that's when the war took a turn time. for the worst, and, and the per- it just went downhill. You're listening to What the Riff from January of 1968. Check our website, whattheriff.com. You'll find all 73 episodes that we've done to date. Click on the link, have a listen, find your favorites. Leave us a comment and a review. We're going to now return to What the Riff from January of 1968 with our entertainment track. And in January 1968, Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In premieres. Dan Rowan, which I'm Wayne Rowan, is a distant, distant cousin. I think it's like three times removed. No kidding. Uncle, cousin, whatever. Also, Jacques Cousteau, his first undersea special premieres on US TV. And those, I, I don't know about you guys, but every time his his came on, just it was a much-watched TV oh, yep. at the time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And in the Super Bowl in Miami, the Green Bay Packers beat the Oakland Raiders for Super Bowl two. Super Bowl two. That's crazy. And unfortunately, we had something ending that in January of 1968. The Man from Uncle. Uh. It was a spy fiction type thing that had uh, secret agents Robert Vaughn and David McCallum who worked for this secret agency called Uncle. And I know they came back with the movie most recently. I guess maybe about five, ten years ago. But yep. It, yep. it was to me. I enjoy. I enjoyed those as reruns. But laughing though, I used to think was uh, there's a few parts I love to see. Uh, Ruth Buzzy, Ruth Buzzy, mm-hmm. and Artie Artie uh, Johnson do the old people on the bench. I just thought that was hysterical. She hits him with the purse. Oh, absolutely, Tiny That's Tim. Talk it to me, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of that, we're going on to staff picks, and Brian's going to bring our first Not one me. here. Not me. Oh. This would be right. me. Bruce. Bruce is bringing you better our first think story. about that. <laughs> I better think. Ah, yes, folks. That's Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul. This is the first track. On get this, this is her thirteenth studio album called Aretha Now, and this song was written by Aretha Franklin and her then husband Ted White, and I think. That this was the only song on the album that was written by Frank. What does this make you think of? Oh, Blues Brothers. Yeah, I can see her with her hands on her hips. That's as right. That waitress outfit, just just sitting there telling her her husband, "You better think, buddy, before you go out with those dudes." <laughs> so that that's exactly what I thought. And by the way, I thought that so strongly, I went ahead and put the Blues Brothers original soundtrack on our list. So we're gonna have to do that at some point. Oh, that'd be great. So she was in the Blues Brothers in 1980, along with Cab Calloway and James Brown and several other uh, other big. Speaking of which, was in the news yesterday. Some guy drove through this mall. Yeah, oh, um, did he yesterday really? in Chicago. <laughs> and I, I put little quotes because, oh, Pier 1 Airports. Oh, the, the new Oldsmobiles are in now, <laughs> in early. So according to Wikipedia, Franklin was not used to lip syncing. And that sequence in the Blues Brothers took a whole bunch of takes, and they had to do a lot of editing. Um, but she did that one again in 1980, and she did a version in 1989 on her album Through the, Through the Storm. It was also used as a public service announcement in the late 80s by Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Yeah. Unfortunately, we lost her just not too long ago. I think it was in 2018, wasn't it? 
but what a yes. voice, man. You hear that voice and you just you yeah. know that's the Queen of Soul. Absolutely. In music of January 1968, guitar Jimi Hendrix is jailed in Stockholm after getting in a hotel fight, fist fight with his bassist. And Johnny Cash performs his famous concert in Folsom Prison. I remember that. Nice one, thanks. I'm going to uh, share this one. It's called Different Drum. This song has quite a history, but it's probably best known for this version, which was featuring a vocal performance by a young up-and-coming singer named Linda Ronstadt. Yep. Oh, yeah. yep. She was part of the Stone Ponies. That's who this is. The song is Different Drum. He's talking about Loretha Franklin's voice, which was gold. I'm going to have to say Linda Ronstadt's voice is right up there with it. Yeah, well, Linda a, Ronstadt is very influential. I mean, you look at yeah. her history, and uh, I think she's one of the underrated uh, singers of well, uh, music. This was actually written by Michael Nesmith from The Monkees. Oh, really? Yeah, so he wrote it, but he actually said that Ronstadt's performance he said it was infused with a new level of passion and sensuality, so I think he really liked it. And he actually took on her style of singing it when he would sing it. And, you know, he was with the Monkees, and he wanted it to be performed by the Monkees, but the TV show execs said no, no dice. Well, they were doing their own songs, and yeah. the TV execs wanted the money, not, not exactly. to give it to Michael. But yeah. this song has been covered by a multiple, multiple artists. Yeah. Yeah. I was amazed. I mean... Uh, the Flying Emus, Matthew Sweet, the Jayhawks, the Lemonheads, Skeeter Davis, Carrie Underwood. Uh, I almost want to say this was in a movie, though, was it? Or just it's just me thinking that this type of song was in a movie. I don't know. Maybe I I would have to say maybe that up up I've and away it, or yeah, something like that, yeah. having having that same feel. But of course, I'm not. I was eight years old in this time, or yeah. actually seven, so I have no idea. Yeah. This is one of those, though, that, uh, you know, I immediately think kind of hippie culture, you know. <laughs> one thing I didn't appreciate, and I know she didn't either, about Linda, was that they used to call her the queen of remake or the queen of covers. Yeah. Like, like, come on. That's not it's fair. It's fine, but no, I mean, her voice, to me, is still one of the best. Yeah, uh, you, you, Wayne just pointed out, I think that's a harpsichord in the background. Yeah, you never can have too much of a harpsichord. That's right. As we say all the time on What the Rift, you just can't, you can't go wrong with a harpsichord. <laughs> but this was one of those that, seriously, if you look it up, it's amazing. There's like, I think there's 15 different bands that have covered it. And to know that uh, Nesmith was the guy that wrote it, so I thought it was interesting. Great pick. So now we do move on at this point. To Brian. Ladies and gentlemen, it's John Fred and his Playboy Band. That's a long name for a yeah, band. Absolutely. Back in the day, he'd be called John Fred and the Playboy, so I guess this is the official title that was used by the record company. But this is called Judy in Disguise with Glasses. And this <laughs> is, <laughs> if you recognize it as it kicks it off. This was a parody, folks, to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> uh, as we know, that was a famous song off the Beatles album, and uh, a Beatles song. And, and so when John Fred met John Lennon, mm -hmm. he loved it. And so John Lennon loved John it? John Lennon loved it. Okay. And he actually said to John Fred, he said, when I get back, 
and this is according to Song Facts, he says, first thing I, I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and create a song called Froggy in a Pond with Spectacles. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I knew John Fred Gurrier is his name. And oh, you did? I did. And I went to a high school with his son, Kevin. Oh, yeah. So shout out to Kevin if you're listening. But John Fred was a real staple in the community where we lived in Baton Rouge. He coached uh, Little League uh, baseball for years. Mm-hmm. Of course, his kids were older than that level, but he coached it for years because he just enjoyed baseball. He played baseball and basketball in college at Southeastern Louisiana University in Hammond, Louisiana. But he got involved with music and loved it, and so he would tour in the South. And kind of another connection I had was with the drummer of the band, and John Fred would play in the 80s while I was in college, and they would play uh, in Baton Rouge, but they also played all over the Southeast. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And so, yeah, and it was my mother went to see him a couple of times, and she enjoyed him. And when she would see him at the ballpark, they would talk for a while because, you know, she was just a big fan of his. So John Fred was very down to earth. You'd never know he was a, a pop star. But it's amazing that I took this Beauty in Disguise and made it basically a bubblegum pop song from a, a kind of a, you know, from the Beatles where it was, you know, their version of... Uh, Theirs uh, was too psychedelic. Well, it was yeah. psychedelic, yeah. It was, well, it's just, it's amazing to have that connection, you know, yeah. and that he's, he is rolling in... The, the same the, the same areas as John Lennon, so you know, and he's coaching he baseball. Yeah. yeah, and he's coaching baseball. That's the, fantastic. Interesting though, the same the same the record come in signed him signed both Elton John and uh, Eric Clapton, so he kind of got pushed to the side. Mm, thanks, that's cool. So I guess we got to round it out here. Coming back Wayne. to me, the American breed. Bend me, shape me. Now, like you said, you can't, can't go bad breed. without horns. Yeah. This song was first recorded by an all-female band called The Shape. It was a hit on the British charts by a group called Amen Quarter. And But this is the best-known group. And it's recorded by the American Breed. Uh, they were formed in 1958. They disbanded in 70. But, and they were formed in Illinois. And they were first called Gary and the Nightlights. But... By this time, they thought it was kind of um, outdated. You really didn't have that type of thing, so they changed the name to American Breed. Uh, they got that name out of just taking names out of a hat, and that oh. was the one. Everybody put their names in, and that's the one that came out. I vividly remember this song. It was a great song. Yeah, I, I wasn't catching it on the the um, intro, the intro, and the first you know little little line, but when it got to the chorus, I got it. Well, they, this is the one hit wonder, um, but they became, on your end, Rob, they became very um, lucrative in the jingle, jingle market. Oh, so really? They did radio right jingles, jingles. Okay. Uh, commercials for Coca-Cola, the Bell Telephone, and the television commercial for American Airlines, the commercial was Fly the American Way. Yeah. It was a success by them. So That's cool. But basically, it's about a guy just telling a girl, hey, just do whatever you want to with me. I want to be with you, you know. Give you all I own. You got me standing in line out in the cold. Just pay me some mind. Yeah. It's a happy song. Yeah. Top hit songs of January 1968. Hello, Goodbye, The Beatles. Mm-hmm. 
Daydream Believer, The Monkees, Woman Woman by the Union Gap Band featuring Gary Bucket. I heard it through the grapevine, but Gladys Knight and the Tips. Oh, yeah. And the Raisins. <laughs> yep. And Chain of <laughs> The Raisins would come a little later. Yeah. And Chain of Fools by Aretha Franklin. Yeah, those would definitely nice. fit in with all these. That was January 1968. Now we're going to move on to our instrumental slash comedy, and we're going to instrumental. And this was a top hit, believe it or not, in January of 1968. Oh, yeah. When oh, I yeah. added this to our playlist, I had that same reaction. Oh, yeah. This I remember is cool. that. There's your harpsichord. You can never have. Never can go wrong with a Never can go wrong with a harpsichord. Just ask the Adams family. <laughs> Lurch? This is Love is Blue. Paul Manet? Yeah. So um, this is an orchestral piece. This uh, reminds me of just sitting in the movie theater before the before you actually had trailers pop up. They would mm. just play music before the before it, and you just sit there and you listen to this and you know, Tijuana Brass and yep, you know, all these yep, other songs. Exactly. Was this song the uh, the inspiration for Muzak? <laughs> Probably so. It does seem like it. Well, top albums that came out. Merle Haggard had one. The Birds. Blue Cheer. Can Heat. I mean, Can almost heat. every single one of these is a, a top group. Simon and Garfunkel had the gra- graduate came out. Yeah, they were huge. Dr. John. Iron Butterfly. With heavy, we already talked about Aretha Franklin. Spirit, that's another good group we're going to be featuring soon. Velvet Underground, that's now almost a completely different genre. Yeah, that's you that's. Know, I'm white surprised light, at the, that they made the list. Kaleidoscope, Gordon Lightfoot. I didn't even know he was recording way back then. Yeah, but I, you know, Johnny Cash. We talked about him. The Electric Prunes. We we yes, talked we, about them. We featured before. them. Nancy Sinatra, them. We talked about that. It was Van Morrison's group. Richie Havens and Steppenwolf had their first album come out then in, in January of 1968. This sounds a little bit like Little House on the Prairie to it me. It does, <laughs> yeah. This part. But then it changes minor thing. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of a historic uh, references, too. If you recall, January or 1968 was very, very tumultuous. You had, obviously, in April the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., then the violence in Chicago at the Democratic National Convention, and, of course, Bobby Kennedy's assassination assassination of Bobby Kennedy. In June, yeah. Yeah. So it was just a terrible year. Well, this has been What the Riff. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. See you next time. You've been listening to What the Riff. We hope you've enjoyed riffing with us and all the songs we had on tap today. Check out our website, whattheriff.com, to find a complete list of our blog and then find each track on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to listen to them again. Follow us on Facebook at What The Riff and let us know what artists you'd like us to feature in the future. Tell your friends about us and thank you to our sponsors, Stanton Electric and Marbury Creative Group. See you next time on What The Riff?